So today, Jesus is going to speak to us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, on the need for spiritual discernment. Now, Jesus has spent the five previous verses in the Sermon on the Mount telling us to be undiscriminating, to be loving, not to uh, uh, decide on who people are ahead of time and gossip and slander, but to be open-minded and fair-minded and loving and, and gracious in every possible way. But now he will give us a warning in verse 6, in which he will warn us that we need spiritual discernment, that we need to be careful when we face evil, when we face error. Uh, and I think this is an important step in our spiritual development, and as always, Jesus steps forward and gives it to us in such a great way. Uh, and so he has told us not to adopt a judgmental uh, mentality. Uh, but the problem that he's concerned about is that we could become wishy-washy, meaning that we don't discern good from evil, that when we hear uh, errors in theology that we don't uh, recognize them, uh, and that we need to be discerning, that we need to be able to identify truth, good, and evil. And so Jesus will speak very proficiently uh, and profoundly in Matthew 7, verse 6. And the words can't sound a bit harsh, but we're going to drill down on it. Quote, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and tear you to pieces. Now, let me first tell you that I'm a person who loves dogs. These are not your pet dogs. These are not cuddly dogs with affectionate personalities. These are savage dogs roaming the wild uh, that are foraging for food. They roam in packs. You can imagine what it was like 2,000 years ago. And wild pigs fall into the same venue. Uh, and so you see Jesus is warning us metaphorically about the kind of people who will be represented by these vicious animals. And so this is a warning to us as a church uh, about how we present the riches of the gospel. Jesus has identified the riches of the gospel as pearls, you see. Incredibly great gifts, nothing more valuable than these pearls. Uh, because that's what salvation is, the revelation of God. There is no greater gift that anybody in this world could ever have. And so now you have this gift, and Jesus is warning you, you do not give this gift to people who are vicious, angry, closed-minded, uh, in every possible way. And so Jesus is really giving us the, the paradigm for how we spread the gospel. Now remember this. There are five verses about being loving and not judgmental. There's one verse now in which Jesus talks to us about the pearls and the dogs and the pigs. And so this is important. I even believe in the ratio it's important. That the vast majority of time, you will, you will be in the first camp. You will be with people who need to hear the gospel. You will be loving. You will show the love of God. But every once in a while, you're going to come across dogs and pigs 
metaphorically. People who are closed-minded, who are angry, who are not open to the truth of God. Uh, and so we need to understand that. In fact, in this uh, example that Jesus has given us, uh, these enraged wild animals spit out the pearls. They then turn on the man and they tear him to pieces. Well, you might say, oh, I don't understand this, Jesus. How could this be? Well, this is what happens when you come in face-to-face with vicious people, evil people, who have no interest whatsoever in the gospel. And that's why Jesus is warning you, turn and walk away. Do not present the gospel to these types of people. Uh, and so the, the beauty of the revelation of God only enrages and angers these kinds of people. Uh, and I can tell you in my own life, uh, I'm wary of this because you know, people know the, the position I have. And I know that from some time to time, some people might be interested in engaging me in a debate. And I'm very wary of debates uh, because I'm not interested in the intellectual aspect of having somebody try to show me how smart they are uh, when, in fact, they're not really engaged in the gospel. Uh, and, and that's why I would say I generally stay away from those kinds of things. I try to ask God for discernment. Look at the heart. Look at the interest. Are these people interested in the gospel, or are they really just effectively looking to exalt themselves? Uh, and so it may be very painful for us to recognize this, but we need to recognize these spiritual truths will only enrage these evildoers. Now, here's the thing. We always look to see how Jesus has conducted himself. How does Jesus act? What examples can we get from the life of Jesus in this regard? Well, in Matthew 15, verse 14, Jesus, speaking of certain Pharisees, tells his disciples, and here he was giving them instructions about carrying the gospel. He says there, leave them, they are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Leave them. They're blind. They're not interested in the truth. Don't waste your time there. Uh, God has determined that you should move on. And so this is important for us to recognize that, that in this life that we may come across people like that. Uh, and I, I want to say to you that God didn't make you the savior. God made you the messenger. You're the messenger. And so your, your, your gift and responsibility is to give the pearls to show the greatness of the revelation of God. But God is saying to you, if it's closed down, move on. If they refuse to accept it, move on. There's another example in the scriptures of this very same issue in Acts chapter 18, verses 5 and 6. Uh, and in this example, Paul is speaking and spreading the gospel in Corinth uh, and trying to spread it, and he is devoting himself exclusively to the Jews. That's what he believed his responsibility was to serve first the Jewish community. Uh, and so uh, Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, and Paul devoted him exclusively to ministering unto the Jewish community. But then they opposed Paul. And not only did they oppose him, they became abusive. Uh, and so effectively, uh, he shook out his clothes 
and walked away in protest. And if you check your scripture, Acts 18, verses 5 and 6, he says as follows. Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Instead, he turns to the Gentiles to minister to them. You understand, God has divine appointments. And so if God has given you a divine appointment to speak to someone about the revelation of God, and instead the curtain comes down, they oppose it. They're not interested in it. They're angry. They're vicious. God says, you move away. You move on. There's another verse where Paul said the same thing. He recommended a similar course of action uh, uh, to his associate, Titus, there. And he said there, In Titus chapter 3, verse 10, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Now, this is a verse spoken about within the Christian community, a recognition that even possibly within the church, There can be people that can be abusive and divisive. Uh, And God is giving you a warning about that. Yes, tell them first they're being divisive. Tell them a second time that they're being divisive. But you don't have to go back and back and back and repeat the same thing when, in fact, their character is known. Now it's given up to God to decide. And so as we drill down on the words of Jesus in this great passage, there are several important injunctions for us. Uh, today. First, it is no accident that Jesus uses the metaphor of pearls, because you see, Jesus recognized that there was no greater gift in this world than salvation, eternal life. That was the pearls. That was the greatest gift that God could give. And God gave man the possession of that great wealth. Here are the pearls. You have the right and the responsibility to spread this revelation to a world the greatest, most priceless gift the world could ever get. And Jesus understood that. Uh, And so that is why God views this process so seriously. There is nothing more important to God than that humanity accept his gift of Jesus Christ. Nothing. It is the greatest gift. And God has done this so graciously through Jesus Christ. Second, there is the somber revelation, really, that not all men and women will accept this revelation. It's a fact. Not all will accept it. Some, like dogs and pigs confronting the pearls, remain totally insensitive to the revelation. In fact, they get angry since it does not gratify their immediate appetites. You see, they wanted to do, to. Uh, meet their intellectual needs. They have other appetites that they want. And what you're giving them does not satisfy those appetites. They reject it. They then turn on you. uh, And God doesn't want this process to go on like this. And so Jesus is basically telling us that the entire world is going to be divided up into two camps, those who will accept him and those who will reject him. Uh, And this picture is portrayed poignantly in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, where it says, enter through the narrow gate, 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. How about that? The wide way, the easy way, is the way most people in this world will attend. That's what they will do. They will reject the gospel because the gospel is a narrow gate. The gospel isn't your way, it's God's way. And man refuses to give up his will. I surrender all is not the anthem of the world. I will never surrender is the anthem of the world. That's the anthem of the world. That's the anthem of humanity. And that's why they will take the broad way. Because they think they know best. They think they know how they can live their lives. Uh, and so really, you see this so poignantly. Jesus lays it out uh, into the two camps. And we're, we're put on notice about this. Third, it is not simply that some do not receive the gospel. The chief thrust of the revelation by Jesus Christ here. Uh, is that the disciples are not even to present the riches of the gospel uh, to certain people of vicious and unappreciative disposition. Now, they are cynical, they mock, uh, they are arrogant, uh, along with the moral decay that goes with that. Uh, and it makes them impervious to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have to learn that there's no need, really, no need to explain Christianity to someone who just mocks, argues, and ridicules. And I know all of you know people like that, who have no interest in having a discussion, a true discussion of what Jesus uh, is, is meant to be. Our energy is meant to be devoted, in other ways, to people who are open to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, these conclusions that I've given you in this message must be balanced uh, by a fourth observation, and that is this. We need to have lives characterized by righteousness and love. In other words, even when we are confronted by these vicious dogs and pigs, metaphorically, we are not to act in a similar fashion. We are not to act in an angry way. Instead, we are to act in love. We are to show love even as we move away. We are to represent Jesus Christ. Our face and our body has to shine and be the mirror of Christ. We cannot be vindictive. We cannot ignore everything that Christ has taught us uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and we must still live by what Jesus has taught us. So that even when we come face to face with this evil, we don't act evil. We don't act in that way. Instead, the curtain comes down, we shake the dust off our feet, and we move on. So there are many situations in which a Christian needs to persist in the witness of sowing the gospel of God, uh, even when the ground is difficult to accept it. And let me say this. This is what spiritual discernment is about. So just because you come up to someone who may not immediately accept Jesus, but has questions, uh, doesn't seem to have a great deal of interest, don't metaphorically put them with the dogs and the pigs. You understand? Don't make that, that mistake. This requires spiritual discernment. 
This is what the Holy Spirit is about. You ask God to give you wisdom. So yes, you're going to come across people that don't accept Christ right away, but they're not metaphorically dogs or pigs. They're people who still have work to be done on them through the Holy Spirit. And so each individual uh, is a separate matter. We don't draw conclusions from everybody. I give you the, the broad stroke example that Jesus gives you, but at the same time, you have a responsibility to continue to spread the gospel to all people. We need to examine our approaches and ask God to give us wisdom. Now, again, Jesus is a wonderful way of, of teaching us about this. Jesus treated Pilate and Herod in a completely different way, recognizing that his discernment showed him that. Uh, and you know, it's funny that I studied this for years and was aware of this, but I never really understood the import of it until I wrote this message. And save Pilate was a Roman. He was a Roman representative. Uh, and Pilate had been convicted by the Holy Spirit about Jesus Christ. In fact, Pilate's wife had had nightmares. And she came to him and said, don't have anything to do with this Jesus. I believe he's innocent. I cannot sleep. And so Pilate now is being tormented about this. Uh, and I believe that he's under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might say to me, well, wait a minute. He's not saved. How is the Holy Spirit uh, doing that? Because the Holy Spirit does from time to time convict even people who are not saved as part of the saving process, convicting them of their actions, convicting them of the Spirit. Uh, and so he had the power to release Jesus. He was effectively the representative of Caesar. Yeah, uh, and so he had determined that Jesus was an innocent man. And so now the mob comes, the religious elite comes from the Sanhedrin after that sham trial. And now they come and they present Jesus in front of him and they're screaming that, that he be crucified. Uh, and so if you turn to Luke 23, verses 1 to 5, it says as follows. Then the whole assembly arose and led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, we have found this man subverting our nation. Of course, that's a lie. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar. That's a lie. And claims to be Messiah, a king, a spiritual king, not a political king. So Pilate, this Roman representative, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that Jesus is innocent, says to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, you have said so. Then Pilate announced, that's it. That's the only thing Jesus said. You have said so. And then Pilate announced to the chief priest and the crowd, Again, quote, I'm reading again there uh, from verse 4 and 5. I find no basis for a charge against this man, but they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. Now, Jesus recognized someone who was honestly trying to understand who, in fact, he was. Uh, and unfortunately, he did not bow to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But he gave in to the cries of the mob. You see, you have that divine appointment. 
and he ultimately rejected that divine appointment. But Jesus answered his question. Now, several hours later, Jesus will be in front of Herod. And Herod is a very different animal. Herod uh, was the Jewish representative appointed by Rome as the Jewish representative. He was an evil man. His entire family was evil in every possible way. And he had no interest whatsoever in seeking the truth. He was totally immoral. And so Pilate had washed the hands, his hands of Jesus and sent him to Herod, feeling that this was a Jewish issue. Herod could handle it. Uh, and so Herod also had questions of Jesus. However, Jesus sat there silently and would not respond. Would not respond. The record demonstrates the true heart of Herod. Uh, and if you look at Luke 23, verses 8 to 11, it's very clear from the biblical record. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he had hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. That meant a miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answers. Now, I'm going to stop right there and let you see. Why was Herod so interested in seeing Jesus? Because he wanted to make an example of him. He wanted to mock him. He wanted to abuse him. He had no interest in the theological truths that he had. Uh, and he wanted to see him perform some parlor tricks, like a street magician, as if God bows to the pagan will of having miracles performed. And Jesus sat there not uttering a word, not a word, recognizing that this is a very different animal from Pilate. Continuing with verse 10, the chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. Can you imagine? God knew where their heart was. He put a robe on him because he was mocking him. You're a king. Well, here, wear this robe. And Jesus puts it down. He doesn't respond. You understand? The pearls, the revelation of the will of God, salvation is not going to be given to the metaphorical dogs and pigs. Understand this well. That's why the world will be divided to the wide path and the narrow path. And so this is precisely the condition that Jesus is speaking to us about. Herod was only interested in mocking the Lord. God would not respond to that kind of heart. He remained silent. This is a tremendous lesson to us in, in differentiating uh, discernment. And I would say this to you. When you find yourself at a dinner table or in your country club or you're out with people and suddenly somebody engages you about, oh, I, I hear you're a Christian. Oh, and then they begin to make mocking statements about what it's like to be a Christian. And Christians are some of the worst people. And all the wars that have ever been fought have been fought over Christianity. You know, it goes on and on and on. I would say to you, have discernment. Have discernment. Be wary about turning the pearls of God over to pigs. 
because truthfully, most people like that are not truly interested in hearing the truth of God. And so Jesus spoke on this very issue four other times in the New Testament with the command to shake the dust off of your feet. He sent the disciples out. And in the four times that he sent the disciples out, he said to them, when you come across people who do not want to accept this, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Now, shaking the dust off your feet would be akin to us saying, I wash my hands of this matter. I wash my hands. In Mark chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus says, and if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Wow, that's pretty substantial. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them, meaning God is watching what they did. And that very action is a testimony against them. Uh, uh, Incredible. In Matthew 10, verse 15, he clarifies the meaning even further on this issue. He says again, and this is again as he's sending them out, he says, truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that town, that town that refused to accept the disciples, that refused to listen uh, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment. What does that mean? It means, you see, Sodom and Gomorrah were not acquainted with salvation. They were not acquainted with the gift of Jesus Christ. They were not acquainted with the pearls of God. And God would judge them. But at the same time, those of us who have been presented with the pearls of God will be under a greater judgment. Understand that well. And you are the messenger. You're not the savior. You give the message. You give the gospel. God determines ultimately who will be saved. So this is a symbolic action that Jesus is telling them that that effectively absolves their responsibility and puts people on notice. Shake the dust off your feet. And so Jesus is telling his disciples that as they preach the gospel to everyone, if the message was rejected, they had no further responsibility. Those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot hinder the furtherance of the gospel. Let me repeat that. Those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot hinder the furtherance of the gospel. Just because we come across people who are recalcitrant, who are abusive, who are arrogant, they do not stop the spread of Jesus Christ. We move on. Amen, church? Amen? And so this becomes important. But we need to be under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as we ask God, Lord, guide me, Lord, I surrender to you, Father. Lead me. Tell me, Lord, when I move on, how to move on, and who are these metaphorical dogs and pigs. And so while we must learn to have greater spiritual discernment, and that's what this message is about, as Jesus is inspiring us, we must learn not to throw the pearls of God to the metaphorical dogs and pigs. Uh, The quality of our lives must, in fact, be the essence of how we live. And this is what I want to impress with you in this message. God is saying to you that your life has to be the poster child of Christianity. 
Our lives have to be showing the light of Jesus Christ, the salt of Christ. Let the world see who Jesus is by looking at your life. Uh, and the dogs and the pigs will see this. And God wants them to reflect on what your life is about. And let me tell you this, what will happen under the inspiration of God, someday to these people, they will say, I don't understand it. I don't see how these people can live like this. Even when they face dark times, even when I know they know they're dying, how do they still have the hope and peace and serenity of God? Because God, under his sovereign will, will take that image, will take that picture, and he will impact it upon people who have said they have no interest in hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's the message today that I give you. It's a message of hope. It's a message of surrender. But it's a message of warning by Jesus as he directs our paths, as he leads us, as he warns us about how great this gift of salvation is. And that way, when we present it to a world, we need to be careful as to how we present it and who we present it. Let's bow our heads and ask God to seal this message. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this warning. Lord, I pray that every member of this church may have greater discernment, that the Holy Spirit descends on us and anoints our minds and our eyes so that we know as we walk with you and spread the gospel, Lord, that you direct us as to those people that need further attention. Be with us, Father. Let this message resonate with us this week. Be with our people. Protect our people and bring them back safely next week to continue to be part of this church as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.